What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. And I am about to share with you a really different interview with my buddy, Matt Dobschutz. So you may know of him. He hosts a podcast called Porn Free. Um, this guy was very early onto the podcast scene. And so he's just had incredible success with what he's doing. And he's also just launched a book called Porn Free. And it was really interesting when I launched the last relapse, I was checking the Amazon categories pretty regularly, you know, just to see how the book was doing. And actually, it's crazy at the time of recording this, which is a month since the release, the book is still ranking. It's number one in a couple categories on Amazon. So that's pretty sick. But side note, um, but the, the book that was actually killing it in all these categories before the last relapse launched was Matt. And, it, and his book had been out for several weeks. It was ranking number one, um, hit bestselling status. And so he's just he's done very well. He's built a great following and he's got a lot of insight. What makes this interview unique is that this is a two-way interview. So I interview him. He interviews me. We go back and forth about our books. Uh, life philosophies and all kinds of little in-betweens. There's a lot of nuggets. And this would be one of those interviews that is a lot more casual. This kind of feels like two guys just sitting around a, a campfire having a little chat about life and business and everything in between. So it, it's not your typical interview where we're trying to extract like all the pearls of wisdom out of the expert. Matt certainly drops some really good nuggets and he's got plenty to offer. But this is a lot more conversational just two guys talking about life. You get some really interesting behind-the-scenes footage. Um, well, from both of our lives, we get into some really interesting conversations about music and music we used to listen to in the 90s. And uh, I love Matt Redman. He's one of my favorite worship leaders. So we were talking about worship music in the 90s. And then he had this hilarious story uh, about him. And anyway, just uh, just funny. We got to some funny places. But on the whole, I think you're going to get some value out of this. And, you know, um, I, I guess I'll just say this. A lot of the interviews, like I said, a lot of our interviews are... Uh, more informative or we're giving you expert advice. But I think it, it's important to know that, you know, no matter how expert somebody is, they they have a life, they have a heart, and it's they're just ordinary people. And I think you're going you're gonna to get that from this interview at the very least. So uh, without further ado, this is my interview with Matt, Matt Dobschutz. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Sathya Sam from the Unleash the Man podcast, uh, author of The Last Relapse, it's great to have you here on Porn Free Radio, and I'm excited to be on your daily podcast. Uh, tell me, I got to ask you first, I, how did you get the idea to do a daily podcast? Yeah, well, hey, let me just start by saying, Matt, thank you for having me. I have been a huge fan of yours for a long time. So when I saw uh, the stars align and, and we got a chance here to be on each other's podcast, I was jumping at that opportunity. Um, I am doing a daily podcast called Unleash the Man Within because when I struggled with porn addiction, I needed help every single day. And before we hit record, we were talking about this, you know, um, 
most of the solutions out there are weekly or monthly or whatever, bi-weekly. And, you know, granted, nobody can, you can't be in somebody's ear every single day necessarily uh, one-on-one. But uh, for me, the podcast was a way to provide steady encouragement. I think especially early on in the recovery journey, you just need all the help you can get. And um, I remember those days. And so I, I, I'm always trying to be conscious of Sathya 10 years ago when he was rife with his addiction when we're creating resources. And that's why Unleash the Man Within is a daily podcast. Yeah, no, I love it. And I was I, I was just saying that, that um, it's so funny. You know, we, we talk about this concept of, um, you know, to, to break a habit, you have to make a habit. So we take, early on in recovery, we take a seven-day-a-week obsessive habit and we try to solve it. We try to break. We try to break it by making a once a week commitment to a group, or you know, to a you know a once every couple week conversation with an accountability partner. And we wonder why it doesn't work. So yeah, I know. Uh, so I love that idea of hitting subscribe uh, to unleash the man, so you can just hear something every day. And I, I got to be honest, I've been cherry picking through the episodes because I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it when it launched, and so I've been going back through your archives, and um, there were all you, you're answering a lot of the questions I get on Porn Free Radio, um, and one thing that I think is really cool that I think is worth pointing out about you and your book is it's very principle based, mm-hmm. and the principles a lot of co- times come right from Scripture, come from the Bible, and so I thought that that was kind of cool when you answer a question, sometimes you bring in a principle. Um, and I just think that's a cool way of doing it. Um, when I looked at your book, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I always do. Um, I'm reading through your book and I see a, a footnote uh, for, for some reference. And I always go back to the end of the, the books to see the end notes because I just want to see who are you, who are you citing? Like, yeah, who are you reading, for you. right? That's good practice. Yeah, no, it's really good because it, it kind of tells you. And so here's, here's, here's two things I noticed about, um, son, wait, I'm going to say it, Sathya Sam. You got it. You Sath- did it, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I feel bad about this. All right. All right. So, <laughs> no okay. Reason. So I get to the end, I go to the end and here's what I noticed. One, you read a lot of articles. There were a lot of articles that were mentioned. So up-to-date resources, like, so you're staying connected, you're reading new news, you're reading uh, recent uh, studies, things like that. That's cool. But what's the number one source in your book? Do you know? Yeah, by by and large, the Bible for sure. (laughs) I mean, like, it's like three to one. Um, And I just thought that was cool. It was just cool. uh, And and you even say in the book, um, wait, I got it written down here. You say something like, um, you talk about principles, Trump personality. Um, yeah. And you're talking specifically about, you know, we get these ideas of who we are as a person and this and that. And um, and you want to give people principles and principles are things that are going to last a long time. So it's great that not everything is a recent article because those articles might change, but those principles are not. Yeah, that's well, that's exactly it. And I think. For me, when I was trying to get free of porn, I was just jumping on the bandwagon, you know, doing what everybody else was doing. And you and I both know, especially in this day and age, like what's cool today is probably by the time this episode gets released, there's something new that's come along. So I think I think that's always the danger of just trying to get 
Um, I don't know if you get too obsessed with a method, but if you can really identify the, the principles, the things that are just going to be there all the way through, uh, you're, you're much more likely to experience lasting success. And, and the other thing, this is just a huge pet peeve of mine, and I, I won't get too ranty about it, but the personality thing is a huge one because um, I'm sure you see this all the time in your coaching practice, Matt, but people will find every which way to deflect responsibility and, um, and play the victim card. And I think personality tests are one of the most subtle ways it happens. Now, I'm not actually against personality tests. I've grown tons from them. My wife and I have improved our marriage through personality tests. But um, I will he hear people say, oh, you know, I'm just an Enneagram 4. This is just what I do. And it's like, no, you're dysfunctional, actually. And like, you, you need to kind of work on that. So that's, that's what, that was the commentary in the book specifically about just really cautioning against the personality ethic and, and not getting too consumed by it because really um, there, there's always there's always room for us to grow, improve and change. And uh, none of those things should negate us from taking the responsibility in our lives. Yeah, I love it when someone, uh, you know, I'll be in a this is early on when I would be talking to someone in one on one coaching and they would they would say something like, yeah, well, you know, Matt, I'm an Enneagram eight mic drop. Like no more comments, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and I and I'm like I'm I'm sorry. Um, and this is my own contrariness. I've kind of avoided reading about enneagrams, just out of my own stubbornness. <laughs> and <laughs> and because I really want someone to tell me what it means for them to be an enneagram eight. What are they trying to communicate? Right. Right. So yeah, now, exactly. so I play dumb. I'm like, well, tell me more about what that looks like for you. Um, but it is funny, like how someone so definitively says, oh, I'm an introvert. Okay. So, uh, so group coaching <laughs> won't work for me. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Introverts don't need people. Did, did I yeah. read this wrong? Are you like, you know, like, like, oh, you don't need relationships or love. Okay. That it's like, you know, it's like so funny. Like people think that, um, one of my favorite quotes is from, um, Steve Chandler, who was on the podcast recently, my podcast, and he um, he said something like um, he was talking about owners and victims, and I know you talk a lot about ownership in your book, and yeah. and he said you know and so the you know the basic idea is this dichotomy of like there's two types of people there's there's victims who see themselves as victims of their situation or circumstance, and then owners who can't necessarily change their circumstance or situation can't, you know, don't have control of everything in their situation, but they can control their response. And I know this fits mm. with, with the piece that you have in your book. Anyway, he says, uh, an owner will change his personality to keep a commitment. Um, at the idea that like, you know, an introvert mm. who really needs to like connect with someone and needs relationship will figure out, well, I, I I'd like to be alone and read, but I need to I need to make a phone call. I need to connect with my buddy because I don't want to get isolated. So he'll 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 follow through with his commitment. But a victim will ch will change his commitment to keep his personality. He'll come wow. late to something. He'll he'll give you a story about how he couldn't do it, and he'll stay stuck. He'll he won't make that phone call. He'll tell himself, "Oh, I'm an introvert." Uh, it takes me too much energy, blah, blah, blah. He'll do that and he'll just stay stuck. Huh, that is profound. I love the way that's put. I, I totally agree. And um, you you referenced it, but like uh, the we talk about the principle stack in our program. It's in the book. 
And those, those are like the two first principles that we teach everybody to live by is taking ownership and, and then taking responsibility of the things that you actually own. So I love that. I, I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, the, the subtitle of your book really caught me. And, um, and I have to just say as a side note, I have seen your book everywhere. Uh, I think the last relapse came out a couple of weeks afterwards and I was like, man, look at this guy, you're crushing it. So congratulations. The, the subtitle is really intriguing to me, becoming the type of man that does not look at porn. And I, I guess the one thing is the emphasis on, on who you're becoming. And the other thing that I thought was really cool is just the simplicity of it. Like there's no, there's no nuance. There's no poetry. It's just very direct. And I think for the guys that, that I work with, certainly I would guess it's not that different for you. Directness is really critical because it's amazing how, if, if there's any subtleties, like one of the questions I always get asked is like, how much can I get away with? Like if I'm dating somebody, what's appropriate, what's not. I think that kind of thinking is very common. It's very prevalent. So I just like that uh, it was so simple, so direct, because I think those are the kind of people that, that need to be in the lives of, of addicts, as someone who's going to tell it direct. I'm just curious, what, how did you come up with the, the uh, subtitle and why did you construct it that way? Well, it actually, I didn't come up with it. A, uh, a listener came up with it. Um, he had had, no yeah, he had had a big, um, the podcast had impacted him. He had started following some of the principles that I teach. And, um, he, let's see, he had some milestone. I don't know. It was maybe a hundred days or, you know, maybe a year. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, it was a big streak. And I always like to write back, Hey, what's working for you? And was there like an aha moment or something that really made the difference? And so he writes back this long message and in it, he, he talks about some of the habits he created and he talks about some of the the tools he's using, but he gets to this place where he says this great phrase. He says, I'm inhabiting a place of becoming the type of man that does not look at porn instead of practicing behaviors that keep me from looking at porn. Hmm. So he had wow. this, he had this really powerful idea of, man, I want to inhabit this future state that I want right now, rather than living as someone who is just practicing behaviors that keep me from doing a behavior or keep me from looking yeah. at porn. And so, and, and, and I, I found when I read this on the podcast, I actually made a podcast on this. People love this idea of visioning who they're becoming, but inhabiting that person now, yeah. like, like a guy who, relapsed yesterday hopefully it's the last relapse book plug uh, <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> hopefully you know he can wake up today and inhabit the man who doesn't look at porn he can inhabit that you know that becoming today he doesn't have to wait till a year from now of sobriety to be that man today that's so, right so i love that idea of like vision in the future but what am I inhabiting right now? And and I don't I I don't like uh, when guys in coaching define someone by what they're not doing. But I made one exception in this case because we all kind of have this idea of, hey, what's a guy who's just free, who's not every day obsessively looking at porn and thinking about it and 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 um, objectifying women and doing all these things? What does he do? Who? It's almost like it's almost like this mystery guy. Like, what does this guy do? 
And, and I love sort of cultivating that idea of who is that guy? What does he, mm. what does he fill his life with? Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was super excited about um, having you on the podcast is you're a great example of someone who has gone from uh, an obsessive passion, an addiction, to, to now on the other side, a, a lot of creativity, output, work, service, all these different types of things, pastoring. Um, and so I just think it's cool to have you on because like you just, you wrote a book last year. I love how you just wrote it during the pandemic. My book, I started five years before and, and, <laughs> and told myself if I didn't finish it during the pandemic, I'll never finish it. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of put myself back on the writer chair during the pandemic, but you went from zero to a full book in, in maybe a year's time. So a lot of hard work. So, you're, so I, yeah. I just am curious, what, is that true for you? Have you seen just, um, more creativity, more, uh, just more things to fill your life with now that porn is in the rearview mirror? Yeah, there's two things that I can say for sure have happened in my life. And uh, it's funny, we were actually just having a discussion about this in one of our groups this week. But when you get free of porn, the, the two things we observe the most is number one, your relationship with beauty starts to change. And beauty is no longer this superficial thing. It's not just seeing um, a girl with a nice body or things that you're just intrinsically attracted to. It's observing just the the undertones of beauty in, in just about everything. And, um, you know, that, that's a whole nother episode in of itself. But the other thing by, by far is creativity. And it's funny because I think there's a, an obvious explanation, Matt, of like, yeah, okay, I, I haven't watched, you know, porn or masturbated in six years. So, of course, when you're no longer using all that, that energy, all of your resources, they become available for something else. And naturally, you know, uh, creativity is one of those things. But... I, I don't know if you know this about me. I was actually a recording artist in a previous life. Uh, music and songwriting is a huge part of my, of my life at one point. So creativity has always been there. And one of the things that I, I could never understand about the other artists in my space was that they never liked their own songs. It was the weirdest thing. They would, they would work tirelessly on a project and be like, oh man, I hate it. I can't even listen to it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I loved my stuff. You know, I always loved what I created. And I realized, oh, what we're actually dealing with here is not creative talent. We're dealing with an identity issue. And if you look at God, after each day that he created, he reflected and he said, it is good. Like God himself referred to his own stuff as good. And I think the, the reality is everything that we create is a reflection of who we are. And when we don't like what we've created, it is usually because there are parts of ourselves that are being revealed that we haven't yet learned to love properly. And so I think even just tying in like that, that a profound comment you got from one of your listeners. Yeah, this is not about changing a behavior. This is about who you become uh, or becoming who you are rather and learning to love the person that you that you were made to be. And I think naturally in that process, if, if that is core to your recovery journey, of course, you're going to be creative. And not only are you going to create, you're going to love what you create. And I think that's a that's a really beautiful part of the journey. I mean, have, have you observed that, Matt? Because you're podcasting. Obviously, you wrote the book. Um, I don't know. What's it been like for you on the other side of freedom? Well, um, my wife once said, you know, how many podcasts have you done? And I said, I don't know, 270. And she goes, how did you come up with 270 podcasts about 
porn. I go, well, that just shows you how addicted I was in the past. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that there's just this creative endless creative output that's come out of recovery yeah. that just keeps going um which is kind of a joke but it's kind of true um um i started in my own recovery the first thing i did was i started a local group uh, where i was working with men and women struggling with their sexuality uh in a church setting and i did that for maybe 11 years before I started the podcast. So when I did start the podcast, I was a lot of those, especially those first couple episodes, I was telling stories I had told before and I was sharing some ideas that I had already kind of worked on. Um, uh, but, But just running that group broke through a whole bunch of limiting beliefs I had. Um, mm. first of all, I, I was in charge of it. Um, I stayed sober running it for the most part. I had some relapses in there, but I, okay. I was, I, I was much more living in integrity. Um, I was the same on the inside as on the outside. People knew me, people knew the real me. Um, and I was actually able to lead and, and do well. And I had always been sort of, even at my job, I had been sort of like a uh, a specialist. That was kind of like my role. I, they would throw me at a project or a problem and I would fix it or do it, but no one was asking me to manage or lead. And, mm. and, um, and so that's kind of how I, I talk about personalities permanent. That's how I sort of thought of myself. Well, I'm not really the, the leader type. People don't like me or I'm polarizing or this or that. But I started running this group and man, that was the first step is like, Hey, I actually can serve and I actually can, I can create a vision. I can coach other leaders. There's all, there's things I can do here that actually, mm-hmm. that's, that kind of snowballed into my career. I, I realized, man, at, at church, I'm a leader. Why am I not a leader at work? And mm-hmm. I advocated for myself and they, and I got in this management program at my, my corporation and, you know, they did not want to put me in this management program. I really had to, like, <laughs> twist my, my boss's arm and, and his boss's arm. And uh, I get in it. I did well in the management program. And then after I finished that, you know, my boss ended up moving to, I think he went to Adobe, you know, the, uh, the software creator. Yeah. And, and there was this opening. And, you know, it was interesting. The first thing they thought was, well, they'll just put my team and put it under somebody else. Um, and I, again, advocated, I said, Hey, I'd like to run this team. And they were, they kind of, Oh man, they really were struggling with, with seeing me in that role. Um, but they, they, they ended up giving me the, the job. And, uh, and so like that, that kind of happened in my corporation. And then at the same time, um, I started porn free radio. And then when I left my company, I started this business and, the business has been another place where I've been able to, like you, explore entrepreneurship, grow a business, like start being successful, like figuring out how how things work. Um, yeah. So there's been a number of like, I feel like pornography and getting rid of it was like a keystone kind of habit for me. And there's been a whole bunch of things that have come after that. It's kind of like the old... Um, I remember there was a study or an article about, you know, smoking, you know, someone quits smoking, uh, and then they, and then they start focusing on their physical health and they lose some weight and then they get a promotion and then they get out of debt. And it's like quitting smoking was the first thing. And then 
there's a snowball effect. And I've seen that in, in lots of areas of my life. That's amazing. I, I guess I'm curious, what, what made you start Porn Free Radio? This is one of my favorite things to ask people like you who were on the scene earlier before podcasting was cool. Because uh, I, I think, you know, for myself, like, uh, you know, we've started Unleash the Man Within in the last year and it's been really fun. But, you know, starting a podcast is very easy now. And not to say it was super difficult back in the day, but I guess I'm just curious, why did you choose that avenue? Because I don't think, at least my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I don't think a lot of people were doing that, especially in uh, for this subject at the time when you launched Porn Free. Well, there were two, two things that came together. One, I was running that group. And you th think about this group. I started it, it was called Living Waters. We started it in 2003. Um, and... Most of the people coming to us were struggling with some sort of sexual trauma in their past, childhood sexual abuse. Sometimes it was identity. Sometimes it was broken relationships, Christians who had gotten into to some sort of sexual sin or, or whatever, affairs. Those are the type of people who were coming. There was a few people who struggled with porn, but it was very, it just wasn't as common. I was yeah. the like one porn guy, uh, I felt like. <laughs> But as broadband internet got more uh, out there, 2004, right. 2005, 2006, started seeing some more people struggling with porn and internet stuff. And then those smartphones came out. And so by 2011, 2012, half the people coming have some porn thing with their struggle. Whatever the original thing was, now they have it, men and women. Hmm. And uh, so I was getting more and more questions about porn. I was having to answer things. And I was thinking, you know, we were kind of doing a pastoral discipleship thing. And I'm thinking, well, I want to focus on the cross or forgiveness or repentance and this and that. And we keep talking about porn every week. <laughs> so um, so I thought, I thought, you know, uh, maybe I'll just create a resource for porn specific. And then I can just point my people to it. Maybe it'll help some other people. And at some point, Porn Free Radio sort of took over. Like, it, it started taking more of my time, and there were more people that it was actually reaching than what we were doing in the local church. So hmm, at some wow. point, it was just a clear... There was kind of a co combination of things. I left my job, in corporate, my, my corporate job, um, and it was just kind of one of these things where it's like Porn Free Radio was kind of growing, so I was kind of... I, put more energy into that. So yeah. that's kind of how I started. Um, there was another answer that I had there. I forget what it was. Uh, yeah, that's cool though. I mean, it, I, I give you kudos, man. Cause I think you've, you've impacted so many lives because of that, that small risk you took a while, a while back. Go for it. Wait, wait, wait. I remembered what it was. Oh, here is the funny thing. Here's how I ended up on a podcast, a podcast though. Um, I, uh, it was funny. You know, I was listening to like Pat Flynn. Do you remember him? The the smart passive oh, yeah. income. Smart guy. Passive income. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um Pat Flynn uh was doing this podcast. This is probably back in twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen. And he was just talking about starting a business and he said, Well, what do you know a lot about? You know, and what do people ask you about, right? That's kind of the idea, right? What do <laughs> and I go, What do I know a lot about? Well, I know a lot about this porn thing. And then what do I get asked about? Oh, I get asked all the time about filters and books and this and that. And, and, and I thought, is that the, like, and, and I couldn't think of anything else. 
And I thought, yeah. man, I'd like to do like a side hustle or a business or something or creative and, you know, and, and so that was kind of funny. That's all I could think that I knew enough about to do something. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was kind of the, that was kind of the impulse from a, from a business perspective, but podcasting was funny because I go, well, I don't want to do a YouTube channel cause I had actually acted out with YouTube and, and I don't, right. and Instagram had just started coming on and I was like, I don't know. And so I was just trying to think, well, what's out there? And I liked listening to podcasts and I thought, oh, hmm. well, podcasts seem sort of safe. Like <laughs> it was just me talking, someone could subscribe. They wouldn't have to use a browser. It was kind of like, that was kind of one of the ideas. And then here's the funny part. This is the irony for, for you and me. I go, come to think of it, you know, the last thing people need to do when they have a porn addiction is read a book. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they've just been looking at all this porn and obsessive. Like I was like thinking podcasting would actually be a non-visual medium that would be real accessible. And I just thought, I think this would work really good for this particular struggle because it's turning off the screen and it's kind of going right into their head. And yeah. that was kind of the idea. And so I, you know, so that was kind of it. What that's I found so out was not everyone listened to podcasts, and that's why we had to write a book. Uh, it was like <laughs> yeah, we, we needed to reach people who were looking for help in Amazon. But, but that was the main <laughs> idea. It's like, like the last thing you want to do when you're struggling with porn is get a big book and read through it. Um, and I've, I've kind of come around to that because now I realized when I was, if I think back to when I was really struggling, boy, I would have done anything to try to figure out mm. more about myself, to learn about myself. And there's so many tools now, like in your book, um, there were a number of tools that I'm like, man, if I would have had this in 2001, would I have saved myself a lot of pain, you know? Yeah. Or if I had an option to, to join one of your groups, how yeah. quickly would that have brought me out of, you know, this kind of, I had these years of sort of, um, you know, I had these years sort of, of struggling and, and trying to learn tools and trying to figure stuff out. And how, how could I have saved some time and energy by being connected with other people who are actually growing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's, I think that's why what you did is to me, it's like so commendable just because you were, you were just creating that, that avenue when there, there weren't a lot of options, you know, to, to be in a rev group or to get some coaching from you or whatever. It's, it's really, really interesting. We, we already talked about it, but I, I wanted to ask you this and I, I should have followed it up earlier, but what, like, you know, you've been clean now, you're, you're helping people in so many different ways, but I guess on a personal level, Matt, like what is, what's the best thing about, about being free? What, what's your favorite part about not having porn in your life anymore? It, it's really simple. And you would, I think you'd appreciate this uh, from your, your background. I used to go to church just with a little sense of like um, disqualification, like hmm. just always feeling, you know, not really um, like I was able to, to really like a second class Christian uh, because I would always have that last relapse in my mind, right? Whatever it was, even if it was a couple of weeks ago, I'd kind of go, oh, I know, or some struggle. 
And and uh, I just remember one time I went to church, and it's it's now it's almost mythologized because I don't remember the specific day or what it when it was, but there was one day at church I sort of remember. We did a communion. We do a communion every week, and you kind of you know you sort of reflect on your week and and repent of anything that's come up or anything you know and and. Sure. And invite Jesus into that place and, and uh, accept forgiveness and do the communion thing. Well, I remember I was like, oh, I feel really clean in the whole porn thing. Like, I can't even remember the last time I relapsed. Oh, and then I was convicted of some place where I was angry with my wife. And I thought, wow, I'm getting convicted of like a of pride or something. This is amazing. <laughs> like, because for so long it was like, Oh, what did I do this week? What did I look at? How did I, or, or how long has it been? It was yeah. always that sort of burden. Um, the other burden too, that it got really released was, you know, running that group was very powerful because I shared my story a lot and re received people accepting me. Um, I remember there were like really uh, like wonderful women in that group. Hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe I've completely been honest about my porn struggle with them uh, at a very like real level. And they still appreciate me and love me and wow. want to be in relationship with me. Um and and even that, you know, like I, I even there was like there was a woman at my church. She she actually took the picture uh, for my book cover. Um, I you know a couple years ago I was talking to her and she goes, "Oh, I listened to episode one twenty three of your podcast." I'm like, "Well, first of all, I was like, what did I say in that episode?" Because I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, of course." <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? Okay, so she listened to it. Maybe I maybe I shared something revealing in that episode. But it's okay, you know. Like she accepts me, and she actually yeah. finds my vulnerability something that makes me like more trustworthy. Mm. And and I remember telling some of the women in the group, I go, you know, I I like I still have to use tools. I'm not like a monk now. Like <laughs> like I remember telling you that though, that there would be like you know in my particular group, um, you know, sometimes we had a lot of college women. We were in a college town, our, our and. Uh, I'd be like, you know, they'd be coming up to me afterwards and telling me, oh, I really liked your teaching or this or that. Or someone gave me a CD once that they had made for me. And I thought, I thought, oh, that's really nice. But then I thought, you know, I, I still have to use tools. I'm not like, <laughs> you know, it's not like I don't see women. Uh, so yeah. anyway, but, but they accepted me and loved me. And so those two things, like not being burdened being able to focus on other areas in my life, it didn't take a disproportionate area of my life anymore. And then, and then that sort of freedom to be known. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I know the one thing that I, I always think about that again, it's one of those intangibles because when, when guys are trying to get free, they're always conscious of, you know, being like showing up in their marriage is better or, you know, if they're single, it's like being that guy who could land a girl one day and get married and, um, you know, a stronger relationship with God. I think people are always conscious of all these things. But for me, the one thing that's been really cool is over the years is just not it's kind of what you're saying, actually, but a little bit uh, maybe just a different angle. It's just not having that fear of being found out. It's like 
you could see everything in my life. You could look at my browsing history. You could look at whatever you want and there's just nothing to hide. And it's amazing how differently you conduct yourself when you don't have that. You don't even realize it. Like I, I had porn in my life for 15 years, you know, so that's a decade and a half of just regularly clearing your history, uh, you know, not letting people get too close or anytime you have to, I don't know, present a screen or whatever, like you have to make sure that, you know, nothing else is open. There's no way you can get caught. Like just all those little things when, when you don't have that, that burden kind of lingering, um, you really, you really start to, you just walk differently. You know, life, life is just a bit different. So I, I totally agree. I think it's, um, it's probably one of the best parts really about this whole process. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, it was a few weeks ago. I did something kind of obsessive. Um, it, I, I went back and watched something that was very brief on regular TV that, that was kind of, there was a sexual component to it. And I, you know, it was kind of an obsessive thought. I kind of followed it. It didn't lead to craving. It didn't create more craving or acting out. But I immediately thought, you know, I got to check this in, right? I got to get current because anytime I start to even have something, an unskillful behavior or, or a, something I want to hide, that starts me thinking, wow, that's the old me where I start sort of living two lives. And so I sat my wife down and I said, hey, I, I did this kind of stupid thing. You know, we watched this the other day. I went back and watched this thing and, you know, and I checked it in and, um, and it's so, it's kind of a rare thing that that's, that's kind of a rare thing. It's probably happened a you know, couple times over the last few years. Yeah. And she, she was like, oh, okay. Thanks for telling me. I felt better. I felt like I was whole again in the sense of like, she knows I'm not hiding anything. Cause once you start hiding things and you start going, well, they don't know about this. Then all of a sudden it opens the door for all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and, a slippery slope. Yeah. And so I realized um, the same freedom that I had to be known and to be free of burdens, I can still get now, even if I make a mistake. Um, mm, uh, like right. one, one of the quotes that I love, it came from that old program that I used to run was, um, something like the increasingly whole person, um, is free to be honest about ongoing sin and brokenness. Mm, like the part right. of the freedom is like, now I'm free to, even if I have something that happens to go back and clean it up quickly. Versus right. having to present like I have it all together forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's a freedom in that. So like I, I, you know, and I've, I felt like even some of, um, um, I did have a relapse uh, maybe 11 years ago, a big re uh, a relapse on a business trip. And, uh, you know, it, even that, something where I lost my sobriety and had to kind of put some stronger plans in place to kind of move forward. Yeah. I was able to do it concretely and just be honest versus like trying to couch it or hide it or minimize it. Like I was just able to say, this is what happened. This was the behavior. This is what I'm going to do to move forward. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and not and not take on all the extra shame. Now I felt bad about it and you know, I felt disappointed in myself and I had to work through some other feelings, but I didn't carry on all that extra stuff, you know. I still was free, uh, to be honest. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So, okay, I, I, I have to ask because... Like right, I said, you keep I asking of... questions of me. I got questions for you. So, you, so I'm going to answer <laughs> this and then I'm going to ask you something. Okay, okay. So You're a good interviewer. It's like I can't stop talking. Oh, no, I, I love it. I, I'm so curious. And I feel like there's lots to learn from you. And, and that, that is actually kind of a good segue into the question, which is what, what are you dreaming about for um, your business? You know, when you, when you look ahead... I kind of the lay of the land and I know you have the, you have that visionary hat on probably all the time. What are, what are some of the things that you're dreaming about now that, you know, you've written a book too, and you have a very established podcast. I'm just curious, what, what do you foresee on the horizon? Well, one thing I foresee is I, um, I, I, I want to write another book. I have a really clear picture of another book and cool. I'm not ready to talk about it totally. Um, but, um, but and and I you you would appreciate this. It's like if you write a book about porn and being free from porn, I feel like you need another book in your in your in your in your yes. in your quiver, right? You, is that right? Is that a quiver? Is that the thing that you put arrows in? Where you put the arrows in? Yeah, yeah. 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 I you need another book because otherwise you're just going to be the guy who wrote the porn the porn book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So it's true. So I definitely that's one huge motivation for me um, um, because I want to dig into um, I want to dig into a topic around self rejection and that mm. affects maybe even other people outside of our little area. Um, yeah. So that's one thing I really want to do. Um, the other thing that's been exciting for me, and I know you do this uh, in uh, Deep Clean, is I. Um, um, have some coaches who come on and, and support my vision and really are great coaches. And I get excited when we have people to, to, to put into their groups. Like I'm sometimes more excited about onboarding or enrolling someone who's like, I want to be in that, in Chris's group, or I want to be in Vern's group. That gets me super excited. Um, and yeah. so part of me thinks that one of my roles is to continue to, to create content and vision and to, to, to bring up some other coaches and coach them and, and also to, to just, you know, see how, how we can keep growing. So that's one of the things I want to do is, is just continue to develop some new coaches and also, um, you know, fill up their groups and get better at that kind of stuff. So I, I, that's, those are a couple of things I've been practicing. I mean, I, I'll tell you like a real dumb thing, but it was big for me based on my money stories and some of the things that I used to struggle with. Um, I set up direct deposit payment for my coaches, like ACH transaction, you know, transactions. Right. And so, you know, once a month I, I su submit all these ACH transactions and pay them through direct deposit. I was just like, I can't believe, like I'm a business that actually pays people this way. Right. It's like, yeah. um, and that's super dumb, but I, I, you know, I had to go through the bank and say, how do we set this up? And this is what I want to do. And I had to learn yeah. all about the, the way it works. The first time I did it, 
I put the wrong numbers in for my assistant and screwed up the payment. And I had to, oh, no. I had to go through the whole process of getting the money back. And it was just funny, <laughs> but I'm learning like about banking. Um, so that's yeah. a, uh, that's a, that's an example of like growing in an area that I never would have thought I would have any mastery of at all. So, wow. It's amazing. Uh, and I know that sounds dumb to get excited about, but you gotta understand I had these money stories growing up that I was bad with money or I couldn't manage money. And here I am, I run a business that pays people through direct deposit, you know, and, yeah. um, and, uh, so, so anyway, I, I that, that's kind of cool. Um, well, I want to ask you a question. Um, you in your book, you have this great thing called the principal stack. And at, first of all, I wish I had that, that phrasing. I would have loved to put that in my book, the principal stack, <laughs> yeah. um, kind of like Lego bricks that kind of build on one another. And it's kind of your, your approach to, uh, uh, going porn free and, and I'll, I'll just, re I'll just, uh, list them off, but I want to get to the last one. Cause I think it's the one that I, I really want to hear about. Uh, you cool. talk about control, um, what you can control, uh, what you can take responsibility for, uh, the freedom bookends is, is it Y plus vision? Is that kind of the, are those the bookends? Exactly. And yeah. then, and then four is delayed gratification, like learning about delayed gratification. Um, the marshmallow test is in there, I think. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, so, classic, so, yeah. so delayed gratification, but the one that I love, this is the, the, is consistency compounds. Could you, could you explain that a little bit to the audience of how you came up with that concept and, and what, what it means? Yeah, I mean, consistency is, I think, a virtue in our society. It's so funny, actually. One of the the common things I hear is, oh, I don't know if I can do your program. I have a really hard time with consistency. I have a hard time being consistent. And I'm always like, no, you don't. If you had a hard time being consistent, you wouldn't have an addiction. Like, that is literally... Mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah, I, I wish I... I don't have... Wait, a, do I have a sound effect for that? I need, like, an explosion. How about a, how about a pause? If you're consistently acting out. Yeah, exactly. So the, the existence of the addiction proves that you can in fact be consistent. And it's interesting because uh, if we, this is obviously on the negative side of it, but you know, if you think about the impact of a porn addiction, like when I was 11 years old and I got exposed, I, I had only seen porn once. It was uh, completely by accident. And there's not a compounding effect. And, you know, after five years, uh, maybe there's some detriment. But by the time I had been watching porn for 10, 12 years, the way I viewed people was differently. Certainly the way I viewed women, uh, the way I saw myself was very different. The way I was able to even just engage on an emotional level was dramatically impacted. And it was the accumulation of something over time. And we, we really minimize the, um, the impact that consistency can have. And I think a lot of people try to like, you know, they're like, okay, I know I need to spend more time with God. And so they do these, these 40 day supercharge your Devo life. You know, they do an hour every day for 40 days and it's awesome. Not against that one single bit, but the real, the real reward, the real money is when you do something consistently over time. So I tell guys, if you have a hard time spending time with God, um, start with five minutes and just try to do five minutes every single day. And let's see what happens in three months, six months, because over time that starts to add up. For me, I've actually dedicated an hour of my day, of my weekdays to God consistently for uh, about the last nine years. 
So that starts to add up in, you know, biblical knowledge, building that history with God, my, my comfort, just talking to him, engaging with him, prayer life, all those sorts of things, they start to add up. And I think we just, we lose sight. We don't always play the long game, which really um, is, is a huge detriment because we miss out on all these added effects of just doing little things consistently over long periods of time. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I want to just clear, like, uh, expand the metaphor. The metaphor is actually when you say consistency compounds, you're actually using the financial metaphor of like compounding interest. And yeah. like everyone who's ever been to like an IRA seminar or a, a seminar in your, in your 401k uh, at your company, you learn about this principle, this idea that, well, you're investing money and the money is growing interest is, is growing and that that growth gets reinvested, and so over time, you know what is it? Seven years, your money doubles, uh, depending on your your rate of return, and sure. and you end up you put this certain amount in, but thirty years later, you have this incredible uh, return, and it's all about compounding interest. And I love the idea that you have is that like, well, one of my, you know, the fifth piece of my principal stack is this consistency compounds. It's like five minutes a day. And let's say that that habit gets a little longer over time has much more of an impact than that weekend retreat where you, you were all in for 72 hours. And then on Monday, you were back in front of your computer you know, you know, doing a browser search, you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, so I, I just think that is such a great idea. There's a, there's actually another Canadian, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He's an MMA coach. Um, he had this great phrase, he values consistency over intensity. And he talked about how even in MMA drills, you know, some of the coaches are like, I think some of the Russian coaches are like this. They're like, like they just try to kill their fighters like just beat them up day after day and what ends up happening is they get injured they get hurt they get fatigued and they and you know at some point they kind of burn out whereas this coach uh he, his idea um was to 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 practice drills and to practice rolling and doing these these uh, MMA moves um consistently like every day but keeping the intensity low so that they didn't get hurt, that they could keep practicing the skills. And over time, it has this big effect as a fighter because not only do you build up endurance, but you're not getting injured as much and you're able to show up more and practice versus having to take a day off because you're so worn out. I love that. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. Like the cool thing, uh, we'll use another analogy. Uh, fitness is a, is a great one. I, um, so I've, I've been in the habit of exercising at least, at least I would say three times a week, probably for the last five years. Um, so that, that'd be starting in 2017 at the time of this recording in 2019, about seven weeks before my wedding, actually, I tore my ACL playing basketball and that meant I had to get an operation, um, and then had to rehab for about a year. And it's, it was so interesting because the physiotherapist that I work with, they all said like, Hey, um, you know, here's what we recommend people do. Here's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, if you can't do these exercises four or five times a week, don't worry about it. Um, you know, try try at least to do it like two to three times. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, if that's what's recommended, I'm going to do it. But the cool thing for me was that I, it wasn't, 
I didn't have to change anything in my life because the framework was already there. But now, um, you know, as I was healing and rehabbing, I got to really build on that. And I actually, I learned more about my body. Both of my legs are much stronger after a year of rehab. And, you know, my, my surgeon and my physiotherapist are all like, nobody ever recovers this way because usually people just don't do it that consistently over time. But to me, the consistency part was a lot easier because I had two years of history. Um, Matt, you know, I'm living in Jamaica. I've been living here for the last six months because I am based out of Canada. And yeah. uh, we know how Canada gets in the winter. Um, and so living in Jamaica, one of my goals was I thought, you know what? It'd be fun to kind of put on some muscle. I'm, I'm pretty skinny. I'm pretty lean. And so I had set this goal to put 15 pounds of muscle on while I'm in Jamaica. And again, obviously, I have to make some changes, some changes rather to my regiment and the way I'm training. But on the whole, like, it's not like it's this big slog to get up in the morning and go to the gym. I've already been doing that regularly. So when you do something consistently over time, you also create a foundation that you can continue to build on so that whether I, I can do a different fitness challenge if I want tomorrow, and it's fine. The, 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 the bedrock is already there. And the same thing happens with freedom. You know, as, as people start to do some of the things you're talking about on your podcast, Matt, they start to put them into practice and do them consistently over time. You start to create a framework for relationships, for confidence, for your spirituality that you can then build on so that when you do get free of porn, but then you want to you know, really understand the Bible or you really want to get good at building emotional intimacy, you can do that because the foundation is already there. So I just think this is, this is everything. And if you only do those first four principles that you mentioned in the stack, you're missing out on a critical piece of it. We don't want to just be flash in the pans, uh, flashes in the pan rather. We want to make sure we're doing this consistently over long periods of time. That's really going to make us the most effective. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like a lot of people um, want to skip, you know, looking at what they control, look at, looking at what they can take ownership of, want to skip the why. They want to skip consistency. They just want the ability to, to say no in the moment, right? Some sort of yeah. super delayed gratification skill or some, you know, no forever kind of skill. And, and it's kind of like, that's just not really how you change you you know if you could say no in the moment consistently you wouldn't have an addiction <laughs> and, <laughs> and so if you want to learn how to not uh not do this habit you have to create these other things you have to create this consistency and show up yeah. and change some of these ways that you think and the ways that you do things so uh i love it i i looked up the the coach it's faraz uh zahabi so oh, wow. TriStar okay. Gym, I think he's up in Montreal. So another Canadian. Um, and hey. he trained one of the big one of the big MMA guys. I can't remember who it was, but um, I think I heard that on a Joe Rogan podcast about three or four years ago. So I always love that consistency cool. over intensity. All right. Yeah. This is the point of the podcast. We're, we're coming to the end. Our, our audience is going, really? Almost an hour, guys? <laughs> but I, I have to go back to something you brought up. Uh, a big passion of mine is music. So I wanted to ask you what were, and I know you grew up a, a, a preacher's kid. So I don't know what you're, I don't know what you were exposed to or what you could listen to or what it looked like, but who are some of the artists that kind of moved you in your early life and things that, things that you go back to and still listen to? What, who, who really, who did you like listening to growing up? Okay, so my dad is a United Church pastor. Um, that's a Canadian denomination, but uh, similar to Methodist, Lutheran, that kind of idea. So very traditional organ music, choirs, that kind of thing. 
And he was considered like this revolutionary in his circle because he started a, a praise team. He brought in like guitars and drums and all that kind of thing. And the musicians who were in his church, it was a congregation of maybe 120 strong. They were into primarily bluegrass music. So they loved Gaithers and, um, you know, any, yeah, anything along those lines. So my dad played the keyboard and, you know, there was a harmonica player and uh, they had banjos and mandolins and like, it was really, really cool. So I grew up just watching it and really idolizing my dad in that regard. And so when I started to get involved, it was a lot of kind of blues, uh, gospel, that sort of idea, like 80s, 90s gospel. When the the modern Christian movement starts, uh, modern worship music rather, started to come along, uh, the people I really listened to a lot in those days were Michael W. Smith. I really, really admired him. And uh, early to me, like early Chris Tomlin and Matt, uh, sorry, Chris Tomlin and Matt Redmond. Those are some of my favorites. Um, Matt Redmond today is still to this day one of my favorites. Now, I really, really admire him. Now, yeah, I don't know if it. you saw this in the Porn Free book, but I talk about this. <laughs> I talk about the first time I get caught looking at porn by my wife is after a Matt Redmond conference. <laughs> You're kidding. I didn't know. I didn't no, catch that part. No, it's it's uh it's middle it's in the middle of the book, but the big reveal where my wife catches me and this whole secret life comes out was literally hours after Matt Redman. Oh my gosh, I, you're kidding. Um yeah, he had come to our church to do a conference and um it was one of these things where for a couple of days we were all in going to the conference and I'm sure you know, I was displacing needs and other things. Like I wasn't really taking care of myself. I was just kind of like, you know, we had house guests and the whole thing. And I think the moment that I had like free time and my wife went to bed early, I was like running to the computer. So it was super embarrassing because <laughs> it's like right after this spiritual high, I'm looking at porn and getting caught. So, so for that, Funny for that works. reason, I've never really liked Matt Redman. <laughs> all right i'll forgive you for it um but the, the i did not like I, i'll tell you one song i did not like of his um the one where he talks about um coming back to the heart of worship where he's like yes because the line is something like i'm coming back to the heart of worship uh i something about you know i i'm sorry for what i've made it and I'm for the think, thing I've made it. Yeah. For the thing I've made it. And I don't know, maybe you connected with this more, but I was like, I don't feel like I've made worship an idol in my life. And I feel like, why yeah. am I singing this? I don't even know if I, I don't know if this is, is this song for me? Yes. Uh, yeah, totally fair. I mean, if you hear the backstory, it'll probably get some context to why they were singing those particular words. There is a little bit of a story there. But yeah, I, I mean, worship music is funny like that because... Uh, maybe it's changed a little bit now, but you know, back in the day, a lot of the the songs that were being written that people were singing were written out of local churches, which means you know what one local church experiences might have a broader application, but sometimes it doesn't. So I think that part's interesting. I did want to mention one more band that uh, people who listen to contemporary worship music in the early days will appreciate, which is Sonic Flood. So I don't know. Oh, if you I, re I remember that. Yeah. I, I love Sonic Flood. Yeah, I mean, I was I listened to a lot of rock music, like uh, outside of kind of the Christians part, um, especially punk rock. I was just born in that era. And so I like Sonic Flood because they just kind of amalgamated like modern worship and still had some rock. All right. Well, give me some. OK, I'm give, uh, let me guess. I'm going to I'm going to look I'm going to look at you and I'm going to guess punk rock in your era. I'm trying you you look a lot younger than me. 
So <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna let me throw out a couple bands and let me see if 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 any of these you listen to. Okay. Um, no effects. No effects. Uh recognize the name, but no, Blink One Eighty Two. Yes, big time. Someone, some forty one. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, MXPX. Uh, yeah, I didn't really listen to them, but yes, they okay. were they were around at the same time. Um, yeah, got me pegged. Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, wasn't a huge fan of them, but yes. Okay, yes, all right, same all right. era. Yeah, all right. Okay, anybody else? Who else? Green Day. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind Green Day. Uh, geez, who who else was it back in those days? Uh, Jimmy Eat World. Oh, uh, yes, um, yes, yeah. Some of those guys were yeah were awesome. Uh, my cro- coach Chris, who's in uh, in the UK, he he had Jimmy Eat World tickets for pre pandemic, and <laughs> the concert oh, no. has been the concert has been postponed. I think three times and i think he's finally gonna see them this summer like it was supposed to be in 2020 <laughs> oh my gosh uh jimmy Eat world i liked um alkaline trio do you remember them oh yeah uh, i do remember uh, that. um and i liked um jawbreaker that's older um okay. and i liked um oh oh i remember a band that i love Goldfinger. Yeah, they were awesome. I really love balloons, right? What's that? Them? 99 red balloons. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I saw Goldfinger open up for no doubt. And, uh, okay. um, and I'm older at this point because so, I'm older than you. So I, I'm in my twenties. And so we see Goldfinger and no doubt. And we go to this Italian restaurant next to the club and it's like a place where adults would go. It's not like a place where where kids going to a punk show would go. I mean, we're eating like, you know, a fettuccine Alfredo. And, you know, like, it's like a real <laughs> Italian restaurant. And Goldfinger comes in to the restaurant. And it's just us at one table and Goldfinger at the other table. Oh, my gosh. So I here. see the drummer and I said, hey, I loved you guys. And I, I had a couple of their albums. I go, hey, I loved you guys tonight. And he goes thanks so much for coming to the show. And he hugged me. And I, I just thought that was the funniest thing, right? The, the Goldfinger drummer just hugged me at this Italian restaurant. And I also thought it was funny. We're all reading at this like sort of fancy white tablecloth Italian restaurant um, after a rock show. So anyway, that's... Wow, uh, what are the chances? Yeah. Uh, let me see if there's anybody else that I can think of. Uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. No, I don't recognize oh, that. Oh, okay. Maybe that was a cult. Maybe that was a local thing. How about Canada? I'm trying to think. Is anybody up in Canada I can think of? Back uh, then? Our Lady Peace would have been one of the big oh, Canadian bands. Oh, yeah. Our Lady yeah. Peace, Nickelback, of course. Of course, I, you, yes. Uh, uh, did did you have to like? Did you have to like listen to Rush? Did they make you? Is that, is that like compulsory? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's obligatory. Yeah, compulsory yeah. education. <laughs> yeah definitely rush um who else rush would be considered a bit earlier i also had like a couple obscure bands i really liked like one called something corporate who were like not really mainstream but um yeah. but i really like them and yeah con can that, that con can that, that that reminds me of uh like because doesn't canadian radio have to play like a certain amount of canadian artists yes. Can con actually, yeah. yeah. It's Canadian content, and if you, it has to be like it, if you're, um, 
if between like the artists and the musicians and everything is 35% Canadian or something, it's considered CanCon. So then you get a higher priority on the Canadian radio stations and all that. So there some was, of my songs are actually still played on a few Canadian ra- uh, Christian radio stations. That's awesome. Well, can, yeah. that, that band... Or there's a band named CanCon after that thing. It was like it was like oh. a, it was like a uh, it was like a Canadian kind of um, not EDM but kind of like electronic music band, like a dance band. All right, so, cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, I I love talking music. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and you're still creating music, right? You and your wife. Your your wife's an, uh, an artist too, right? She is, yeah, artist, worship leader, um, and yeah, we've been working on an EP of her. It's probably coming out pretty soon. That's great. Well, I told you uh, in email that I'm happy to come down to Jamaica and do a mastermind, <laughs> or not a mastermind, a, what is it called? A, a, what, they, what do they call Yeah, mastermind, right? We could, I think it is a mastermind. Yeah, yeah. we come, we could talk about our business, you know, have some... <laughs> some um, some Jamaican rum and just, you know, talk. There you about, go. Some rum and coke on yeah, the beach, man. I love it. it. I love it. Uh, listen to some music. Um, <laughs> some, you know, uh, some, yeah, some Jamaican music, Jamaican music. That'd be cool. Sure. Or we could throw it back, listen to some Sonic Flood, some Rush, whatever you want. No Rush. I don't need Rush. No rush. I don't <laughs> need right, Rush. Right. Um, <laughs> although I, I, I was proud of my son. I got a 14-year-old son, and he listens to a lot of different music. And Tom Sawyer came out in the in the car, and he said, "Oh, Rush," and I was like, "Wow!" Oh. I was like, huh. oh, "Look at that! <laughs> Look at this guy!" <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was cool that he recognized it at least. So, yeah, yeah, um, nice. He he also one time um, this is recently uh, last summer. I'm walking through the kitchen, and he's at his. We have a his uh, gaming computer is like off the kitchen, and so he's like in the middle of everything. And, um, and it's by design, like his screen faces out, we see everything. Right. So we, we walk, I walk through and I hear him humming and I go, Sam, uh, his name's Sam. I go, are you humming? What's my age again by blink one eight (laughs) two? And he goes, yeah, I I go, how, uh, how did you know about that? And he said, oh, I heard you at a party talking about blink one eighty two. And I just went on Spotify and started listening to it. So, um, so what's my eight? Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is, geez. Uh, um, Good for him. So, yeah, his favorite song by Blink is uh, uh, Aliens Exist. It's the one that's like, oh, yeah. hey, mom, there's something in the back room, you know, or something. <laughs> bop, bop, bop. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, we've done it. We've done a podcast together over an hour. Your your daily listeners are like really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're used to the longer format for interviews. My, they can live with. Yeah, that. my listeners are like, ah, Matt finally put out another podcast. Uh, we'll 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 listen to it now. <laughs> um, so, but hey, it's been great to connect with you. I'm so excited about uh, your book. I'm excited about you know your coaching programs and the things that you do to help um, our community, all the people you know, kind of in this in this porn free world. Um, and it's great to put a name with the face and to, to really connect in this format. Yeah. Likewise, Matt, thanks for all the work you're doing. Like I said, you've, you've championed a lot for people like myself and, uh, really appreciate you and cheering you on, man. 
Well, there you have it. That was a uh, that was very different experience for me. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting down with Matt. I've never really done an interview like that, but I had a lot of fun. And as you can see, we got to some really interesting places. Um, so I would love your feedback. If you, um, I don't know, if you thought it was interesting or maybe you want more interviews like this, you can let us know. I'd love to hear. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you to go check out his podcast. Go check out his book. Um, both of them are called Porn Free. The podcast is actually called Porn Free Radio. The book is called Porn Free both are available on all major platforms. And he does have some, some cool groups and stuff like that running. So again, just encourage you to check out his resources. It's another great opportunity for you to further your recovery journey and really get some guidance from somebody who's been there and has been doing this for a really long time. And if you want to connect with us a little bit more, I want to invite you to join Deep Clean Inner Circle. That's a private community where we're doing live trainings. We are providing regular support, encouragement, and coaching all completely free of charge. It's a private Facebook community and you can join by just clicking on the link in the show notes. It's called Deep Clean Inner Circle. You can do a search for it on Facebook as well, but I'd love to see there. It'd be fun to connect and fun to help you further your recovery process. So I'm cheering you guys on. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you Called the Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.